Welcome to the Pastor to Pastor podcast, where we aim to bring content and discussions that will build up and hold up pastors and their families as they pursue the call of God in their lives and their ministries. We pray that this episode leaves you encouraged and equipped to thrive as a minister or pastor in the kingdom of God. Now, let's jump into today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Pastor to Pastor podcast, and uh, we're excited to have you guys with us today. Got Dan Livingston here. <laughs> hey. Founder of Pastor to Pastor, and uh, man, we are excited here for episode two, and uh, our topic for today is um, the importance of having a network of people you can trust, right. um, and that's and that's vital because pastoring's hard. <laughs> it is. You did it for a few years. Yeah, uh, thirty-eight <laughs> full time. Uh, you know, it is. It's uh, very stressful. The rewards of it are phenomenal. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, wouldn't want to do anything different. Uh, what an honor to, to be called to pastor and a minister, uh, you know, on a full-time basis like that. But yeah, we understand. And then with society changing as it does, you know, the latest statistic that came out that said, you know, of pastors who were considering quitting, yeah. you know, pastoring 56% said it was because of the immense stress of the job, yeah, you know, uh, almost 60% uh, said that they had considered quitting just because it, it was overwhelming at times. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but, you know, kind of answering the question in a nutshell, uh, you, you know, why pastor to pastor and then talk about networking and, and those type things, you know, as we have ministered to pastors over the years, uh, the one thing we have heard repeatedly uh, over and over coming from pastors from all different denominations, from different cultures was I could never talk to someone in my own organization or denomination or I'm yeah. history. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that they're even a moral failure. Uh, yeah. it's just, uh, it's too easy to replace me. Yeah. So better for me not to say anything than to risk that and risk my family's welfare and well being. So I'll continue to pastor hurt and broken. What a dangerous posture to have as a pastor. Um, I remember, so I remember COVID had been around for about a year. Um, and at this point, there's the social unrest was going on. <clears throat> we still didn't have any answers from COVID yet. <clears throat> so we didn't know how long it was going to last, how bad it was going to be. And um, you're ministering through, so I'm pastoring through confusion um, we bought a building during COVID, but we had way more questions than we had answers. Right. And, uh, I remember walking in on a Sunday morning to do a live recording of our message and, uh, doing a live recording and thinking when I was walking through the door, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I don't want to preach today. I don't want to do the thing. You know, like I, I don't want to be here. And, um, and I went back home after that day and I sat in my backyard just kind of reflecting and, um, and kind of the place that I found myself in was recognizing how lonely I was. Mm-hmm. Um, because in this context, COVID did that to us. I, I'm usually pretty good about a network. I'm usually pretty good about being connected. Most, the, the most important relationships I have aren't in my church. I'll say that again. The most important relationships I have as a pastor are not in my church. 
I think when we as pastors expect too much out of our congregation to be there for us, to support us, to do those things, we get let down and that's when we find ourselves isolated. Um, <clears throat> but because of COVID, I was, I was isolated. My normal connections weren't there. We were trying to talk on the phone, but they're dealing with their church stuff. I'm dealing with my church stuff. And that was a, that was a, a moment that I'll never forget because I told myself and I told God that day, I don't ever want to be back here. So let's figure it out. And we put some things into place for ourselves. And, and luckily I have some great overseers and even you as a founding pastor for our church and a, a father to myself that just always make sure that I've got wisdom pouring in. But a lot of people don't have that. A lot of people don't have the network. A lot of people don't have the friends. A lot of people don't have the healthy overseers. They have a denomination, but you're not going to go to your denomination and say, I don't want to do this anymore because they're going to find somebody that will. And how do I take yeah. care of my family? How do I take care of my wife? How do I make sure I keep my house? All that pressure keeps you isolated. It does. And that goes to the next percentage. You know, these are all recent numbers that, you know, 43% of pastors said they're considered quitting because they feel alone and isolated. Yeah. I mean, these are the latest numbers out. So you add that to the stress and then you have a pastor that's like, I'm dealing with all of this, but I have nowhere to go. Yep. I have no one to talk to. You and I both have been very blessed. Some of the same overseers that were my overseers are now yours. Yeah. You've got some of your your younger guys that you're connected with now on your team yep. uh, outside the church. And that's really, if I can kind of bring a little explanation to what you're saying, and yep. I've done it my whole ministry was uh, a few of the people that were the closest to me were other pastors that were not a part of my church and they were and there were some people that were not pastors that yeah. that I was very close to some were unsaved yeah and still are today mm-hmm. but they're people of wisdom they're they're loyal friends that I could go to and pour my heart out and know I'm not going to be on the news tomorrow uh, you've got to have I love what you've often said You've got to have some people in your life that know enough about you to destroy you, but love you too much to do it. And we all need some people like that in our lives that we can go to. And pastor to pastor wants to be one of those outlets. I know there's uh, many things out there for pastors. There's a lot of retreats. Uh, There's a lot of things you can go to for one, two or three days. And those are amazing. Yeah. You and I go to them. We're sure not saying, hey, they're wrong or bad or anything. But when you leave that retreat, you got to go back to the place that you feel lonely (laughs) and stressed out, you know, and smile and act like everything is wonderful. Yeah. And God God forbid you have a bad day. Yeah. God forbid (laughs) pastors have a bad day, you know. And, uh, and so pastor to pastor is going to be a place that pastors can go to 24 seven every day of the year. There will be a place they can go to and, and hear a podcast, read a blog. Uh, we're going to have, um, several times a month, we're going to have open zoom calls for the pastors to come in and participate and dialogue yep. and, you know, on levels of where they are. Yeah. And that's the exciting thing to me. Uh, that one of the many of the pastor to pastor is that uh, we've got it broken down into three different areas and all fit where a pastor will be at any season of their ministry. And it can change uh, healthy pastors. There's a, there's going to be zoom calls, blogs, everything for uh, you know, podcasts for pastors that are healthy that they can go to, to just encourage them, keep motivating them to help them. There'll be others for pastors that are broken Mm -hmm. You know, the renovation stage that we want to help renovate. 
what the enemy's tried to take away. We want to go in there and fix it. You know, when I renovate a house, it looks better than it did before I walked in. Yeah. You know, and so it's the same way we want that to be for pastors that they can go to at any moment. You know, it's a network, like you mentioned earlier, a network of pastors. It's not just going to be you or I on podcasts or Zoom calls. It's going to be multiple pastors that have already teamed up with us. So there'll be different perspectives. It'll be a networking of pastors. And a pastor out there might click to one of those pastors more than with you or I. Definitely. We just want them to click with a couple and build some accountability, some networking, and start getting back on a positive track of health for them first, their family then the church and the ministry. Yeah. But, but I want every pastor out there listening to know you are more important than your gift. Yeah. Explain that. We use it here all the time. We talk about it often. And in, in the context for that statement is this idea that in church world, you're only as valuable as what you give bring to the right. table today. So if you can preach today, you're valuable today. But what happened if you lost your voice tomorrow? You're no longer valuable and we'll find someone else to replace you. What you may be able to sing today or lead worship today or you know so um and in many church circles unfortunately ministry circles you're only as valuable as your gift. Um and the second you can't do the thing that you're good at, we no longer have value for you anymore. And one of our statements we use often is you you as a person, you as a man or as a woman you, you are more valuable than your gift. God called the man and, or the woman. God called the person and gave him a gift. Right. He didn't call the gift and give it a person. Good. And so, like, God cares about people more than he cares about giftings. Um, I mean, God put a gift in a donkey to speak in the Bible so he can use anything. You know what I mean? If we don't cry out, the rocks will. Like, in other words, he can put giftings where he needs giftings, but people is what he died for. Right. People is what Jesus paid the price for. And so we as church members, Galatians 6, people are what we should care about more than their gift set. And, um, and so for us, that's a big thing that matters so much. We care about you more than we care about your gift. Yeah, you know, God called us to live for the ministry, not die for the church. Man. And I'll never forget, uh, I was a young preacher, very young preacher, and went to a conference in Hamilton, Ohio, at uh, Hamilton Christian Center. And Pastor Johnny Wade Sloan was the pastor there. And his wife, Diane Sloan, shared one morning. And she said, uh, there's some things in life not worth dying for. And the church is number one. <laughs> this is at a minister's conference. Yeah, she yeah, said, yeah. someone already died for it. Yeah. So any other death is a vain death. Man, God didn't so call good. us to die for the church. That's already been died for. Yeah. He Come called on. us to live for it now. Yeah. And, you know, you put this on Instagram. One, one <laughs> of the things that, that I share with our staff yeah. and, and we share with our dream team is that ministry is not always easy, but it should always be fun. Absolutely. We should love doing what we do, you know, and when we wake up in the morning, like you said, you felt that one day, we yeah. got to do what you did. We got to go back and start talking to God and go, why do I feel this way? Because I don't want to ever feel like this again. You know, because this is not the norm of how I should feel in ministry. And sad to say, over 50% of the pastors out there right now are saying they feel that way. It's true. And so God's really laid on our heart because we've ministered to pastors for whatever reason. It wasn't anything we went out and looked for. Just pastors started calling us 
You know, we went through some very difficult times in our life and ministry and personally and and walked through some severe depression, losing a five-year-old grandson, challenged every bit of theology I preached for 38 years. Yeah. I had to go back and take a two-year sabbatical. Yeah. And just pulled away from ministry as you'd already been transitioned as a pastor of the church and, and get healthy myself. I wasn't healthy. I was in so, chronic depression yeah. and didn't realize it until I started seeing a counselor. So we're not up here going, we're on a pedestal and we're going to fix you. <laughs> we're, we're here saying we understand completely what it's like to be totally broken, yeah. totally empty, totally depressed, not even know if you even believe the Bible you've preached out of for 38 years. Mm-hmm. I've been there. Yeah. And, and when pastors found out we've walked through some stuff and we're back, we're here you know, phone calls been ringing off the hook and, uh, add that to the many years that God has allowed us to minister to pastors. Um, we just felt, man, this is a time we, we have a mantle on us as a church, not just me, but as a church, um, to be a safe place for pastors to be able to go to at any moment online, on a website, by a phone call on zoom and know that it's safe and there's some people that genuinely care about you. We believe in you. We believe in your call, but before your call, we believe in you. And we know that God has a great plan for you, for your family. He wants you well and healthy first. And that's why one of the things that you've asked me to do and as a responsibility here at the church is to meet with our staff once a month individually. And we ask them, how are you personally? How is your marriage? How is your finances? Any struggles in your life? What are you doing well? You know, what books are you reading? How, how's your devotional life? Mm-hmm. But before everyone and one of them's in this room right now, they hear me say, you are more important than your gift. That's right. Every time, because they are. And maybe you're a pastor out there that hasn't had that. But we want you to know today, you're still more important than your gift. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important that we know we need some people around us. And we, we've said some of this before, but you need some people around you that aren't, that aren't impressed by your church. Mm-hmm. They're not impressed by your title. Um, you know, uh, I'm a younger generation guy, so I'm 35. Um, one of the things that I just roll my eyes at, um, and it's, I know your generation, it was really, it was prominent. It's one of the things that maybe it's just church fatigue. Maybe it's growing up in it as a pastor's son. I don't know what it is, but like the whole like church title, like someone's been placed higher than life apostles and bishops and all this stuff. And I'm not trying to rob people of their titles and the work they put in the kingdom. I'm just saying, man, sometimes those things put you at a certain place to where you're too high to fall. Right. Or at least you feel that way. And then when you do fall, the distance down is so far, you don't feel like you can tell anybody. And, right. and I think, man, some of those things where it's just like, I, I, to me, you need people around you that aren't impressed by your title. You need people around you that aren't impressed by your church. They just care about you. You know, um, I heard one pastor say, and you, you're allowed to feel however you want to about this, but you need a, you need a, you need a friend that you can cuss in front of. <laughs> like you need, you need, like you need friends that know you better than anybody else that you can just be, I'm not Brad in the, I'm not pastor Brad in those circles. I'm just Brad. You're not pastor Dan in these circles. You're just Dan. And, and I mean, has God put that mantle on us to be pastors? Yes. Or if, you know, if you're in the world of apostles and you know, all that stuff, but 
has he put that mantle on you? Yeah, but if you don't have a circle where that tag name tag can come right. off, you are destined to fail because you are not able to be vulnerable and weak. And there's only amount of, only a certain amount of time you can continue to hold that up, um, and that's just hard. You it know? is, and and sad to say, we know all the statistics, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but. I know the last time I looked, it was like around 80% of the churches in America are under 100 people. Yeah. So you're not title and all of that's not really the issue right now. It's like, I'm just trying to survive. Yeah. You know? And so you've got that. It's hard. It's kind of like we're seeing a society today. The middle class is kind of going away. Yeah. And we're really seeing that in churches too, to where that church kind of that middle of the way church number wise and you know everything and and not it's not about the numbers but you know what i'm saying yeah but then when you know i know what it's like to be out there with 50 100 people sure you know we weren't always where we are right now yep and um and what we're seeing right now has been an exponent just boom man it's just a sovereign thing of god you know and we're very grateful for it and and your leadership and the team but uh, I don't care how good we are. It doesn't mean it's going to do anything. God said, "Lest he builds the church. And it ain't, ain't promised tomorrow either. That's right. <laughs> so you enjoy every day. But there's, there's so many pastors are out there that don't have that. True. They don't have that circle. You know, they're in a town, maybe a small town or a big city or whatever. But, you know, had went in with this make a dream and yeah. poured their life into it and continue to pour your life into it, but not seeing the results. And that was a question that I had with God when we shifted in 213. Yeah. God woke me up. I, I was quitting. I was done. I, and nothing, the church was healthy. I mean, we weren't blowing out the scenes, but I mean, there sure. wasn't any issues. We had money in the bank, happy people. It was a very friendly church. I mean, people came, loved it. But I, I just told God, I said, there's so much more and I'm not seeing it. And I was frustrated. I, I was, I got discouraged and was ready to stop. And that's when God had another pastor talk about him. He's one of our, Robert Pooley, one of our leaders and pastor to pastor, called me and said, I've got you a trip to art in Jacksonville and I won't get into all that. But I was one of those pastors is what I'm trying to say mm-hmm. that was out there even though I knew a lot of pastors and I had pastors in my world, I was inside feeling so isolated and alone, Yeah, you know, feeling like a failure, really. Well, I, and I mean, we have time. Why don't you go through all that? What you were in that season, because we're talking about the importance of a network. We need, yeah. sometimes you need someone to come alongside you and say, hey, I don't think you're okay. Or God put you on my heart today and let's go. We're going to this conference. Let's go. We're getting on this Zoom call. And just walk us through. what. So what was that? I mean, he, he reaches out to you. You're, you're, we could call it burnout, maybe. You were in oh, a burnout I was in total stage. burnout. So yeah. you were burnout. He reaches out to you and says, I want you to go to this conference with me. So what happened? What, what's that? Well, I was at the place where I was at church on Sunday, and we had great worship, man. Yeah, I mean, we've always had phenomenal worship. And I've always, if I'm preaching, I'm going to pour my life into it. Mm. I've studied. I'm not, I've never gotten a pulpit and used somebody else's notes. I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to say I haven't drawn from other sermons, no, but yeah, I mean, we've all done that. I didn't go pull somebody's file and go, okay, I never had time with God this week. I'm going to preach this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fear God too much for that. Let's get you a Red Bull. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> no, that's some messes me up. But anyway, um, I, I was, I would, I would be in worship and watch our church just going, just in the deep worship, and I didn't feel anything. Mm. 
And I would get up and preach, and people would respond, people getting saved. And I would go home, and on the way home, I would go, I didn't feel a thing. I didn't feel anointing. I didn't feel God's presence. I'm preaching because I know how. Mm. And I can't do this. Wow. You know, I can't. I told your mom that, you know, in the car. I said, I can't do this anymore because I don't feel the anointing when I preach, and I don't feel the presence of God when we're worshiping. Something's wrong, and I've got to go find out what it is and fix it. And we, me. That was when we met. We met during that time and had the conversation about me maybe taking mm-hmm. over. Right. I was, I was I said, no, 24, and I was like, nah, I'm not no, doing that. No, you weren't near ready <laughs> for that. Ready, yeah. No, but I told we you, still had that conversation. Would, yeah, yeah, I'll kill everybody if I yeah. took over right now. But, and you would have. I absolutely would uh, You know, I still had to put Band-Aids on. But anyway, <laughs> uh, not really. No, he uh, did. We're pat- okay. We did no, at that okay. point. Yeah, we're did. not now. Yeah. But No, but anyway, to really make it quick, Pastor Roberts said, man, this uh, conference, our conference in Jacksonville really wants you to go. And he said, it's all paid for if yeah. you just, if you'll Come just on. go. And, and he had got a sponsor. Yeah. Uh, I was sponsored to go by the conference. And anyway, Kathy and I went and uh, the f- first message uh, we got there, um, um, Pastor Chris, Chris Hodges yeah. uh, had just written the book, Breathe. Yep. And he shared out of a chapter out of that book of the doldrums. Yep. You know, where the one of the most dangerous places before they had up-to-date boats, they ran by sail only. And there's this place by the equator that the more ships sunk or people died right there because you you had to avoid the doldrum because the doldrum, there was no air. It's where the northern and southern hemispheres meet. Right, where they meet. And they said more people died right there because there was no movement. Yeah. And they would eventually starve to death and die. There was no way out. And so he in this book on Breathe, he was like, you cannot allow yourself to get caught in a spiritual doldrum. And I was in one. Wow. And he, then he began to talk about coming out of the doldrum. Yeah. And it was like, man, it was just like, talk about breathe. It was like breathe again, you know. And uh, matter of fact, the first message I preached when I got back home was breathe again. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, and then um, the next morning, um, Pastor Stovall Weems announced that if you're here in a pastor and you're uh, you're you're struggling, you're hurting, you you're burnt out, whatever. We have professional counselors in our church that go here, mm-hmm. and they've given this week, and they're in individual rooms. They're private. You go to that. They name where the rooms were. You go to it as the doors open. Walk in. And there's a professional counselor ready to meet with you. Well, I went to one, which mm. goes totally against my character. Yeah. You know, and your, you know. Upbring- your upbringing too, by the yeah, way. Yeah, because you know, you know, you're supposed to be okay all the time. Yep. Uh, you're the pastor. And so I went to one and uh, I just shared with him what we've already said here. I, you know, I just couldn't feel God can. And brother, this guy got around me and for about 45 minutes, he didn't stop praying. Wow. I mean, we didn't have that. He just said, what's, what's going on? I told him. And he stood up and started walking around my chair and prayed and prayed and wow. prayed. Come on. And then he sat down and he said, here's what God just told me while I was praying for you. He said, uh, he's going to, sp- wow. <laughs> Sorry. He said, God's got a word for you. And he said, he's already started giving it to you. Mm. And he said, listen to every song. Listen to every sermon, because in those, there's going to be a spiritual word, a word of knowledge that God's going to speak to you that they don't even know they're sharing, but you'll know when you hear it. Wow. 
and he prayed for me again, and I left. Hmm. And so we got into the service. You know, I'm just, my head's spinning. My heart's spinning. And uh, that night I went to bed, and I laid down, and I woke up in the middle of the night, and I heard transformation. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, uh, maybe somewhere, I don't know. I had no clue what it was. Finally went back to sleep. Transformation again, I woke up. Transformation. Now it's third time I went to sleep, woke up. Transformation. I knew God was speaking to me then. Yeah. And I looked up the meaning. I got up and I looked up the meaning of transformation, got on the phone. And one of the meanings was an immediate change of appearance and form. Mm. And I went, wow. And God said, I want you to go home, change the name of your church to Transformation Church. Don't be afraid of change and get ready for a new season of ministry in your life. Wow. And I called you. Yes. who it's was totally crazy because it was like three before the, the sun came up <laughs> and, and you answered. I did. And I told you, I said, Brad, God just spoke to me. I said, I just had a visitation from heaven and God said for me to change the name of the church, to not be afraid of change and to be ready for a new season of ministry. And your words to me was, Dad, I've been praying for this for a long time because I've been asking you to mark it because we were called hearts of love and you were like, I can't do, there's nothing I can make that's going to be modern to it's go with that. going to look good on a shirt. And so you were like, <laughs> I, I've been praying for this dad. You didn't yeah, even yeah. know half of what God was doing to me. No, you were just at looking all. at the name change. Yeah, not at all. And, um, in 15 minutes you were texting me logos, yeah. signs, everything. And that was in February, I a- believe. April. Mar- no, April. April. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah April. That, uh, that we were at ARC, they announced the GROW Conference at Birmingham in July. July. And so I came home, met with you. We went through all the name change stuff. <laughs> we announced to the church. I mean, we did we did it all wrong. Oh, oh man. So we had to be God or if we, we were would not be here plan, today. They would have got rid of us in a heartbeat. Oh, in a heartbeat. Because it was like, you know, do this. this. <laughs> yeah, do this slow. Do this. Take a year. <laughs> we did tell the church. Well, I'm like, we pioneered it. So I guess they're here. Oh, we're, we, they're not yeah. running. There's no denomination to call. Right. So we just got up and announced. So people jumped all over it. Yeah. They got them. And, uh, and then we heard about the Grow Conference. So we went to Grow in uh, July. Yep. And I, during that time, I had written a one-year system that we were going to take people through, you know, and for the growth that God was bring, going to bring. I mean, I was dreaming again, man. It was like a fresh breath, you know, and I'm I'm putting all this time into getting stuff ready. We went to grow, and we heard the grow track, and we looked at each other, and I'm like, dude, throwing mine in the yeah, garbage can. This is it. This is out. it. They worked yep. on this, apparently. They, it's working for them. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're it's working for them, and every church yeah. is using this. So let's take this home, because I, yeah. I love Chris Hodges' heart. You know, he just said, hey, man, anything we're using that you want to use, it's free. It's working here. If it don't work for you, throw it in the garbage can. Find what does. And yeah, we came home, and we started growing. It's, not, it's never been looked back. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I we went, launched it in six weeks, by the way. We went to that yeah. in July. We launched in August. <laughs> yeah. So, and and in August, weeks. yeah, we launched uh, Transformation Church. Yeah. And uh, we watched God bring immediate growth. It's been um, great. It's you been know, a great it was powerful. And just to see what God has done from that point is mm-hmm. just mind boggling, you know. But the I think the big thing in that, the reason I want you to share that story is if it hadn't been for Robert. Right. And, and we haven't gotten into this and maybe one day we will, if we go back to 19, 
99. If it wasn't for Ross Knight. Right. In 2012. And then in the 2013, if it wasn't for Robert Pooley. Right. You know, if it wasn't for, you know, Scott Thomas, if it wasn't for, for me, for Josh Lipscomb, if it wasn't for Aaron James, if it wasn't for Tyler, if it, was, if it wasn't for the, I have a, we both have lists. And if yeah. it wasn't for these guys that God used to be part of our network at the right time, they weren't in our denomination. We don't all agree theologically. We don't all agree eschatologically. Right. We don't all agree ecclesiologically. <laughs> we don't all like, you know, we yeah. don't, that, but it doesn't matter. We've got networks of guys. They love me. They love my, my wife. They love my family. They love my church. They love us. And that network matters. And if it hadn't been for someone close enough to you that God could speak to them and tell them to call you, you don't go to the conference and maybe right. God doesn't breathe fresh wind. Maybe you don't get clear vision. Maybe transformation church doesn't launch in 2013 and maybe we're not sitting here today. That's what, and that's why the network matters. It matters. Completely matters. You gotta have people around you. Yeah. And, and so. No, it, it was a Scott Thomas on a, a hunting trip. Yeah. You know, we had lost your son, my grandson, Javen, yeah. um, challenged everything of my theology and my faith. We had long talks. You know, uh, <laughs> you and I, God gave you some clear revelation that I didn't get because of my stubbornness, I guess. But, um, and, and I, not only did I lose a grandson, I had to watch my son lose a son. Mm-hmm. So I had a double whammy on, I've always been able to fix my children's pain and I couldn't touch this one. Mm-hmm. First time. Yeah. In my life as a father, I felt like that I I can't help my son. You know, I can't, I don't know what to do. And so it was a double whammy for me. But, uh, you know, on a hunting trip, Scott Thomas sat down with me and he said, uh, you you need to see a professional counselor and you need a secular counselor, not a Christian one, because you're angry at God. You know the scripture. So nothing they give you is going to do anything. You need somebody to show you how to put your left foot in front of your right foot and walk again. And, uh, and I still, I said, I'm not depressed, Scott, I'm sad. And he said, oh no, you, you're depressed. depressed. And he worked in mental health for years. So he knew. Yeah. But, uh, and so long story short, you know, I, I was recommended to a secular counselor and, uh, and went every week for a year and still see her periodically. And, uh, but the tests that they did on me, depression comes in mild, moderate, or major and I was at the highest level of chronic moderate depression you could be. And they showed me that around 90% of the people at my level of depression had already taken their life or they were in a program heavily medicated. Yeah. And the counselor looked at me, who happened to be a Christian woman but has a secular yep. counseling clinic. She said, you are a functioning alcoholic and depression is your alcohol. That you, because of your faith in your family and your the, the people around you, you have learned how to function in a level of depression that would have taken most people's lives. Yeah. And I'm not the only one out there. Not at all. You know, and that's why we, we have pastor to pastor is we don't want you walking the journey that I walked. Please don't. And if you are already there, then we want you to know there is a place you can go to yeah. and know that we get it. Yeah. Now, do I have all the answers to your problems? I don't know, yeah. but I know I could be a friend yep. and I know I can be a brother in Christ 
and I know that everything I have within my power and my resources, I'm going to make available to make sure that you get healed, that you're well, your family's well. For me to sit here today and have a godly wife, four children that are all serving God in the church, three grandchildren here on earth and one in heaven, got a video sent to me Sunday of my little six-year-old granddaughter with both of her hands raised worshiping God when she didn't know anybody was watching her. You know, all of my, all of my kids and grandkids are serving God faithfully and we've been through hell and back. Yeah. And that's, all we gave y'all was the last five years. We, we even, or like the last eight years. We haven't given y'all the 20 some years before that. Maybe maybe a different episode, but yeah, absolutely. You're you know, right. so the grace of God is what I'm 100%. saying. It's, it's the grace of God yep. and the favor of God, and we're grateful. Yeah. And so I, I just want to say that to pastors that maybe you're out there and you feel like, you know, maybe your kids aren't serving God right now or whatever. Maybe you feel like you're being punished for things. You know, it can be so many different dynamics that we go through that the enemy plays with our mind as pastors. Yeah. But I just want you to know that there is a place right now. The word that God gave me was that there's a new season yeah. and don't be afraid of change yeah. and get ready and, and let's let God begin to do something new. But the first thing before the ministry changes is you have to change. Yeah. And we want to be here to help you in whatever way we can yeah. to make that happen. So get connected to our get connected to our network, a network, whatever we can do. Let us help you. I'll encourage you guys as we wrap up today. Um, go online, order Breathe by Chris Hodges. Yes, Breathe, breathe, absolutely. breathe Again. Breathe, I think it's Breathe Again. Or breathe, 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 I think again. breathe Again. Yeah. yeah. So, or Fresh Air is what it's called. Yeah, yeah, thank you. The chapter fresh in there is called Breathe, breathe yeah, the Again. The chapter yes. is Breathe Again. Yes. Fresh Air by Chris Hodges. Go order it online. Read it. It'll change your life. I promise. Yeah. It's changed ours. Get connected to the network. If you want more information about connecting to Pastor Pastor Network, go to pastortopastor.life um, and click on the preservation uh, component, and that'll take you to all the information on how you can get all the resources that we make available. We would love it if you would partner with us so that we can continue to help other pastors. And there's a number of ways you can do that. You can check out all the information on the website. So we're so grateful for you. If you're a healthy pastor, team up with us. Yep. If you're a broken pastor, we're not asking a thing from you. We just want to give to you. Yep. We want to heal you, get you healed. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, wide open door. Yeah. But yeah. on the website is all that information. Yes. There's three lanes. I guarantee you, if you're a pastor, you fall in one of them. So figure out which lane you're in, connect with us, and we'll get you moving um, so that you're part of a network and you're connected because uh, networks matter. Yeah. All right, right, guys. Hey, listen, we love all of you. God bless you guys. Yeah, we'll talk to you guys later. Once again, thank you for joining us for this episode of the Pastor to Pastor podcast. Please subscribe to the channel to catch more episodes as they drop on the first Wednesday of each month. If you want more information about Pastor to Pastor or want to join our network to receive content more regularly, or if you want to partner with us or support pastors around the country, then go to pastortopastor.life to get more info. We hope to catch you on the next episode where we will connect again from pastor to pastor.